Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. My dear Christian friends, last Sunday, my family was together to celebrate my birthday. And my wife, Shelly, gave me two presents. And I ripped open the wrapping paper on the first present, and it was a pancake maker. A pancake maker that shaped the image of R2-D2 on one pancake and Darth Vader on the other pancake. So I ripped open the wrapping paper on the second present, and it was a toaster. Certainly not a regular toaster, but a toaster in the shape of Darth Vader's helmet. My wife does not know, nor does she understand Star Wars, but she certainly does know and understand her husband. In our Old Testament lesson this morning, the prophet Isaiah prays that God would rip open the heavens, But this is ripping and rending, not for God to bring presents, but for God to rip open the heavens and then to bring down his divine justice upon Israel's enemies. Isaiah prays, Oh, that you would rip open the heavens and come down. Mountains then would quake because of your presence. As a response to Israel's continued idolatry, their worship of these false gods, their lack of worship of the one true God, time and time again, God allowed Israel's enemies to overtake them. With prophetic foresight, Isaiah is able to look decades into the future and see a time when God's enemies will once again overtake the nation of Judah. This time it would be the nation of Babylon that would come down to take the citizens of Judah captive and carry them away into exile in a faraway nation. The king of Judah would be a prisoner in Babylon. Jerusalem, the city of God, would be destroyed. The temple, the home and house of God would be leveled and all of their sacred vessels would be used in pagan displays. These will definitely be dark days. It will seem like God's enemies are triumphing. God's enemies will smugly defy God and oppose God's people. And it seems like they will triumph and that God's people cannot resist them. And so Isaiah turns to God and asks for him to step in and demonstrate his power in a sudden and violent way so that his people might be delivered from their enemies. Isaiah prays, Oh, that you would rip open the heavens and come down. Mountains and would quake because of your presence. As fire ignites stubble and as fire makes water boil. Make your name known to your adversaries. The nations would quake in your presence. Isaiah pleads that the Lord would rip open the heavens and come down in such a way that he would make the mountains quake, the stubble burst into flame, and the waters boil. He wants the Lord to rend open the heavens and come down with the same kind of judgment that he came down with with the flood and with the Tower of Babel and Sodom and Gomorrah, that he would bring his judgment by drowning the wicked, dispersing the rebellious, and destroying the perverse. Isaiah admits, 
You did amazing things that we did not expect. You came down. Mountains quaked because of your presence. Because who would have expected the ways that God came down and delivered his people? That he sent ten plagues. He parted the Red Sea waters. He made the walls of Jericho crumble. And he even sent hailstones upon the Canaanites. But it also seems like these are dark days for the Christian church in America. It appears as if God's enemies are triumphing over God's people. There is the abomination of abortion that is celebrated. The butchery of bodies with transgenderism that is promoted. The sin of sexual immorality whether it is heterosexual people living together outside of marriage or homosexual relationships, those are all revered. The worship of Mother Earth is, is something that has become more religious than maybe the worship of many Christians. The idolatrous devotion toward youth and professional sports is often more powerful than the worship of of the Savior by Christians. The church's influence upon our culture has certainly diminished. And so we can cry out with Isaiah with the words of our opening hymn, O Savior, rend the heavens wide. How long will God allow this low point to last? How long will God allow his enemies to overtake God's people? We cry out, Come down and strike down our enemies, O Lord. Deliver your people, O God. Yet remember why God allowed his enemies to overrun his people? It was because of their idolatry and their apathy. So I wonder, fellow saints, is God allowing our enemies to overtake us here in the Christian church in America because of our continued idolatry and our continued apathy? How often are God's people apathetic toward worship, disinterested in God's ministries, and callous toward bringing up their children in the training and instruction of the Lord? We must admit that the hearts and minds of God's people, and that includes us, are often dull and disinterested and distracted. The, the ministries of God's churches are hampered by inadequate participation, low worship attendance, and poor offerings and financial support. So yeah, we may be initially pretty excited to see God rip open the heavens and come down to bring his judgment upon God's enemies. But wait, have we become God's enemies? Are we excitedly praying for God's judgment to come down on us? Have we incurred God's righteous wrath over our pathetic sins and our apathetic faith? Isaiah sees it. You were angry because we sinned. We have remained in our sins for a long time. Can we still be saved? All of us have become like something unclean, and all our righteous acts are like a filthy cloth. The word unclean means something that is defiled and polluted. The Old Testament Levitical laws separated God's people from the things that were unclean, like 
things and people and animals. Isaiah confessed, now the people were unclean, that they had, and he even places himself among the polluted and defiled. And we might think that we're pretty good people. We do some good things for God and for our neighbor. And yet Isaiah says that our righteous acts of the flesh are nothing more than filthy claws. Our English translation softens the Hebrew phrase because what Isaiah says here is that our righteous acts of the flesh are nothing more than menstrual rags. That God views what we think as really good as something that is disgusting, embarrassing, and should be thrown away. Isaiah asks a great question. Can we be saved? Really, how can we be saved when we are so polluted and unclean and filthy? Isaiah's not done. Isaiah then goes on to describe what sin does to us. All of us have become withered like a leaf, and our guilt carries us away like the wind. There is no one who calls on your name, who rouses himself to take hold of you. So you hid your face from us. You made us melt by the power of our guilt. Sin makes us lifeless and dead like dried up leaves that are skittering across the ground in an autumn wind. By ourselves, we have no life within us and we can produce nothing of value before God. As a result, God hides his face from us. Worse than that, he gives us over to our sinful natures. Because as sinners abandon God for their sinful pleasures, then God abandons them to their imaginations. Friends, it is an awful judgment. Advent is a season of repentance. God is giving you time right now to repent of your apathy, to confess your indifference, to admit your idolatry. He is giving you this season to turn from your pathetic sins, to ask for help with your apathetic faith, to pray for the Holy Spirit, to make you different with your indifference toward the Lord's ministries. He is giving you this time right now to recognize your filth, to acknowledge your lifelessness. He is calling for you to seek his forgiveness, to beg for his cleansing, to ask for him to shine his face on you again, to pray for the Holy Spirit's sanctification, to plead for mercy instead of the judgment that we deserve. And Isaiah prays for that mercy. But now, Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are our potter. All of us are the work of your hand. Do not be angry, Lord, without limit. Do not remember our guilt forever. Please look closely. All of us are your people. But that is such an important word here, that despite our righteous acts appearing to be nothing more than menstrual rags, despite our uncleanness, despite our lifelessness, but... Isaiah says we can still call God our Lord and our Father. Those are two important titles, that we can call God our Lord. Lord, meaning that he is the gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. He is the Lord whose title is the covenant promise made to Adam and Abraham and Moses and David and you. And we can also pray to God every day 
numerous times during the day, our Father in heaven, that no matter what we have done, no matter who we are, no matter how many times we go away from God, he still considers us his adopted children, and he is our Father. And one of the things that I do regularly is I go and read to the students in our school. Last year, I went into the preschool classroom, and I read to them a book with the letter A, because that's the letter they were studying. So we read ants in underpants, because the preschoolers laughed every time you read the word underpants. Then an hour or so later, I came back in the classroom to talk to the teachers, and the kids were playing with Play-Doh. Well, I love playing with Play-Doh, so then I made an ant in underpants for them. But we are the clay. God is the potter. He does more than just make us wearing underpants. That he is making us not with the righteous acts of our flesh, but with his righteous acts from Jesus Christ. That we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do his good works. Isaiah also writes, from ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has understood, no eye has seen any God except you who goes into action for the one who waits for him. Just as no one could have imagined that God would rescue his enslaved people from Egypt with the Exodus, so how could anyone imagine that God would rescue his enslaved humanity by sending his son? Who could have conceived that God would send his son to be conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. Who would have ever thought that God would send his son to then die on a Roman cross? Who could have ever come up in their mind that God would then raise his son from the dead three days later? Who would create a plan where the creator would come down and take on the flesh of his creature in order to save all of fallen creation. God certainly did rend the heavens and come down. It was our Lord Jesus Christ, as we'll confess in the creed, who for us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and became truly human. Jesus says numerous times in the gospel today, watch. Watch for the Son of God to come meekly and humbly, wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. But also watch for the Son of Man to come in the clouds with great power and glory. You see, Jesus is the answer to Isaiah's prayer. God rends the heavens and sends his Savior to be to take on God's just judgment and his righteous wrath. Jesus wore our filthy rags and then gave us the white robes of his righteousness. Jesus got dirty in the waters of the Jordan River so that we might be washed clean and pure in our baptismal waters. In a few weeks, you're going to be ripping open the wrapping paper on your Christmas presents. Your family knows and understands you well. I have every confidence you're going to get good presents. God knows and understands us very well. He knows what we need. And so at Advent, we rejoice that our Savior ripped open the heavens wide at his incarnation to defeat our sins of death, sin, and the devil. He defeated them through his birth, 
life, death, and resurrection. He ripped open his grave, and he made the gates of hell quake. At Advent, we rejoice that our Savior on one day, on the last day, will rip and rend the heavens wide in power and glory, and then he will deliver God's people from their enemies once and for all. So make Isaiah's Advent prayer your Advent prayer. O Savior, rend the heavens wide. Amen.